Let's turn in the Bible together to Romans chapter 4. We pick up uh, from where we left off in Romans. We looked at Romans 3 last time in the light of the Belgian Confession, Article 22. We're looking at uh, chapter 4 alluded to by uh, Guido de Bray back in 1561 and um, defending and disseminating the gospel of justification by faith alone uh, based on Romans 4, verses 1 through 12. You'll find that on page 1618. In the Pew Bible, there's an outline of the message, justification in everyday life in the bulletin. As uh, we study the word together in the light of the Belgian Confession, the justification of sinners. Uh, If you uh, recall uh, from last time, or just look at verse uh, 27, chapter 3, verse 27, uh, Paul is talking about boasting. And uh, David certainly had reasons to boast. So did uh, Abraham. And, uh, but they should be boasting, as we should, in God's uh, finished work in Jesus Christ only and alone. And that's what Paul is picking up here in chapter 4. Let's hear God's word and receive it with believing hearts. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness, Apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. You may be seated so far the reading of God's word and may add his blessing to it. I encourage you to keep the Bible open and handy for uh, the message on justification in uh, everyday life. Your congregation of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, what if I were telling you we're going to watch a movie tonight, uh, the screen comes down, and it's uh, uh, Kevin's Life movie, and you're like, oh, this is a must-see, or maybe too scary uh, to watch. Um, it'd be okay to watch maybe a couple of episodes in uh, the movie of me. Uh, certainly some highlights there I wouldn't mind sharing, but um, I would have to cringe. It's something I wouldn't want you to watch. And what if, because of the play-by-play, 
of sinful thoughts, sinful words, and sinful deeds. Not just uh, the good, but a lot of a lot of garbage. And what if, congregation, uh, we would have uh, the life movie of your life being depicted, <laughs> play by play, episode by episode on the screen here? And dear friends, thanks be to God, no one has to watch that scary uh, movie. Uh, we can wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats uh, thinking about that. But you know what, congregation? God was watching. In fact, God watched the movie, the movie over your life, every sinful thought, every single word that was sinful, every sinful deed you have and I have ever done. And so, my brothers and sisters, uh, the question is for us uh, tonight, uh, how in the world are we going to stand right before God? Uh, when he knows uh, better than anybody else what you have done and uh, left undone. How can we be saved? Uh, How do we know we're saved? How do we really know that we are Christians who stand uh, in a right relationship with God? And my brothers and sisters, I preach you the good news of the gospel, uh, that we are not to be replaying uh, the movie of me. Because you know what? The movie of me should be entitled, uh, Kevin is not enough. And we need to be constantly replaying uh, by the gift of God's grace uh, that Jesus Christ is enough. And that's how we stand justified before a holy God. I preach you the word of the Lord as uh, God uh, justifies sinners in justification in everyday life. God counts the ungodly as a righteous. We see that together, and uh, this is probably the most pure uh, gospel uh, word throughout Romans, uh, perhaps even in the Bible. Verse 5, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. We, we want to look together the blessedness, the, the blessing of justification by faith alone, and then the benefits of that great blessing according to uh, the Belgic Confession. Now, first of all, uh, the blessings. In congregation, we start here with David. We're just focusing on David here because that's what the Belgic Confession uh, talks about. We believe that our blessedness lies in the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. That in it, our righteousness before God is contained, as David mentions in Psalm 32. And uh, Paul is quoting David here as he's unpacking the gospel that we are justified by God uh, through faith in Christ uh, alone. And David, congregation, has a lot of reasons to boast. Remember to boast in uh, who he was and who he did. He was the king of Israel. He was the one who defeated the great uh, champion, Goliath. Uh, He was the one who set up uh, the ark in Jerusalem. And uh, there was great expansion and blessing in the time of David's uh, reign and rule. So David had a lot to boast in. But uh, the Apostle Paul is saying he had nothing to boast in. Even though he was a strong uh, man, nevertheless, he was a sinful man. A lot of good, but a whole lot of garbage, too. 
And therefore, he had no reason to boast in himself, but only in uh, the work of God on his behalf. And that's why the apostle uh, Paul quotes David just as David speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Verse 6 and 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Uh, He was uh, a man who was crushed by his sins. Even though he was a man who could boast, he was also crushed by his sins. Remember how David uh, committed sins of adultery with Bathsheba and uh, tried to cover it up by having uh, his right-hand man in the army, Uriah, uh, murder And dear friends, uh, David was living a lie for a long time. And finally, the prophet Nathan uh, accused him of being condemned for his sins. And then he wrote uh, Psalm 32. David was a man who could boast, but he was also a man who was crushed by his sins. And so as he repents of his sin, he experiences the blessing of justification by faith. Uh, that God's verdict on his life was permanent and unchanging, that he was made right with God not by what he uh, did in the great good things that he performed, uh, nor did he lose his justification uh, by committing these uh, uh, sins that he performed, but God counted righteousness to him apart from his works, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And you notice how the Apostle Paul is quoting Psalm 32. Notice it doesn't say, blessed are those who do good. Blessed are those who are righteous. Blessed are those who have good behavior. Blessed are those who avoided sin. No, blessed are those who are ungodly, who behaved ungodly with ungodliness. God justifies David in his ungodliness that even while he was sinning against God, God did not condemn him. God counted him as righteous. And therefore, God would not leave uh, David wallowing in his sin, but brought him to repentance to his knees. Uh, to gain a fresh insight of God's justifying mercies. God forgives our sins, and he forgives David's sins of commission and omission as he uh, forgives the sins of our um, sinful omissions and commissions. Uh, That in David and Paul teach us that God declares that man blessed to whom God grants righteousness apart from works and the blessedness of the forgiveness of our sins. And God uh, covers over what uh, the, uh, David uh, refuses to uh, cover in God's eyes. Uh, God uh, uncovers uh, David's sins, and then he promises to cover it up with his own righteousness. And he pays the price of the debt uh, incurred by David's sin. God forgives our sins of commission and uh, omission. And dear friends, in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who uh, paid the price for David's sins, for Paul's sins, and for ours, it's by the redeeming love of Jesus Christ 
that he soaks up, as it were, all of uh, our sins uh, with um, his righteousness and with his perfect work so that there's no more punishment with which to punish us. That's the idea of God uh, counting us righteous and declaring us forgiven. And dear friends, this is uh, the good news of the gospel uh, that we constantly go back to. Uh, the way we move forward in our Christian walk in life is always circling back uh, to this uh, good ground, refreshing this status with which God speaks to us is justifying grace. And what do I mean by that? It's uh, like a ticket when you get on the train and beacon, for instance, to go down into the city. Uh, you say, well, um, what do I need the ticket for uh, after I get on the train? But the steward, right, is going to go down the subway uh, train and he's going to punch the ticket, right? So uh, it, that's how you can stay on the train to get all the way down to uh, the city if that's your destination. It's the same way in the Christian life. Our God has given us freely this ticket of forgiveness and righteousness. But congregation, we get the ticket out every day of our lives to remember that we belong on this train going from earth to heaven. God forgives our sins, what we leave undone and the sins that we have done. And God credits us, uh, Christ's uh, perfect uh, performance. Uh, and to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies or declares right with God the ungodly, his faith is counted as uh, righteousness. And congregation, uh, forgiveness of sins only gets us halfway. Uh, when we uh, believe the gospel that uh, we are justified before God, that God looks at us just as if we had never sinned, that's only half of the good news. It's as if God also looks at us as perfectly innocent and perfectly good in his holy eyes. So if we're just forgiven, we're just brought back to uh, where Adam was when he fell. And now we have to live the rest of our lives obediently if we are ever going to uh, be welcomed into heaven. The good news of the gospel is that God credits the perfect performance of Jesus Christ's life uh, to our account and defines our status uh, with uh, the uh, life that Jesus Christ lived, completely obedient uh, for us. We lean and rest on, the Belgian confession says, only on the obedience of Christ crucified, which is ours when we believe in him. So congregation, we can be more or less like Christ. That's the life of sanctification. That's the life of the Christian. We are more or less like Jesus Christ, but you can never ever be more or less justified in God's eyes. We are justified by the verdict of Jesus Christ's finished work upon the cross. It's a way of peace with God, and it's a permanent peace received by faith alone. And congregation, that is good news for us because... Um, um, the good news of the gospel is that, uh, that Jesus Christ was counted by God in his wrath what he was not. 
a condemned criminal on the cross. Why? So that by faith in his perfect performance, you may be declared what you are not and what I am not. (laughs) Fully forgiven and perfectly righteous. A law keeper in God's eyes. That's what we mean when we say God credits to us Christ's performance. And dear friends, uh, hopelessness is the only doorway into this warehouse of God's grace. Hopelessness is the only um, entry into this warehouse of God's uh, uh, grace. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that's what uh, David was uh, sensing, right? A hopelessness uh, that apart from the work of God, God will condemn me for my sin. It's kind of like this, uh, to try to make up for our our wrongs, congregation, we can think that, uh, well, uh, we need to um, do good or we need to avoid being bad. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It's God justifies the ungodly. He does not justify the godly. He justifies Abraham when he was ungodly, David when he was ungodly. And so, dear friends, you are no nearer to godliness if you live the rest of your life Obeying God, uh, doing uh, more good, or avoiding uh, the bad. Hopelessness is the only entryway into the warehouse of God's justifying grace. And we experience that hopelessness when we realize, right, it's, uh, I'm just, it's just as hopeless for me to uh, avoid doing uh, bad and doing what is perfectly good so that it counts for my righteousness on the day of judgment as it would for me to try to touch the church ceiling tonight. And if I, jump, if I just jump high enough, then I'm going to touch the ceiling. And you're saying, Pastor, give it up. You've got to be insane. You're crazy. You'll never, ever um, jump high enough to touch the church ceiling. Give it up. It's hopeless. But the more I try to jump, the more tired I get. Are you tracking with me tonight? I hope you are. And the more tired I get, further away I get. Then I get exhausted. And Lord willing, we become hopeless to enter into the warehouse of God's right now, right here, justifying mercies. This is the good news of the gospel uh, recovered in the time of the Protestant Reformation by Guido de Bray and uh, the reformers, uh, Martin Luther and uh, John Calvin. This is the church, uh, the article of faith upon which the church stands or falls and uh, how the life of a Christian either stands or falls, congregation, because um, uh, the Roman Catholic Church didn't want you to be confident. The Roman Catholic Church doesn't want you to have assurance. In fact, assurance is called by the Roman Catholic Church a, a Protestant heresy. The Roman Catholic Church says, well, if you are sure you are going to heaven beyond a shadow of a doubt because of what Christ did for you, uh, then you're not going to stay on your toes and you're just going to live a sinful life. 
And we want you to stay on your toes so that we don't want you to have assurance. You should be doubting that. And congregation, it's not, that, that's not only the message of the Roman Catholic Church, it's actually the message of Protestant Arminians. Arminians say the same thing, that you can't have certainty. That the verdict God is going to give you on Judgment Day is the very verdict he gives you right here and right now, declaring you righteous by faith. What does faith mean? It means um, I'm unworthy to receive this. It's helplessness crying out to God for mercy, that the record of Jesus stands in for my record, that Jesus gets my bad record and I receive his perfect record of lifelong obedience. And there are lots of damages and dangers to doubting congregation. As we see the benefits of uh, God's justifying mercies, and we uh, declare together that through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, we cling to this firm foundation, firm forever, giving all glory to God. There's uh, the first uh, uh, benefit and blessing, justification in Christ alone, uh, glorifies our God. So we are grateful to God. No more of this talk that I can take credit for anything. Uh, no more of this talk that I deserve this. I'm entitled to that. Uh, I, and, dear friends, what that does for us is we gratefully give thanks to God and glorify the Lord for this verdict of justification, then, dear friends, we are humbled. Justification in Christ alone glorifies uh, God. It lifts him up. And as it glorifies God, it gives us the blessed assurance of confidence and justification in Jesus Christ alone also uh, uh, humbles us. It also humbles us as we give glory to God. We humble ourselves, recognizing ourselves as we are. Not claiming a thing for ourselves or our own merits, leaning and resting only on the obedience of Christ and him crucified, which is ours when we believe and keep believing in him. Justification in Jesus Christ uh, humbles us. And congregation, the only way you can be a spiritually uh, mature parent, the only way you can be a spiritually uh, mature uh, spouse, the only way we can be a healthy Christian is when we are glorifying God alone and when we are thereby humbling ourselves. This doctrine is designed to humble us to crush our self-justifying pursuits. This uh, doctrine of justification is aimed at crushing our sense of entitlement, our sense of that God owes us a better life. This uh, doctrine of justification humbles us, dear friends, uh, so that we uh, put to death a pride complex in our lives. And it humbles us, congregation, so that we are um, merciful and gracious, kind and forgiving with one another in our relationships. Here's the toolkit that God gives us in tools in solving uh, the problems in our relationships when we inspect ourselves and suspect ourselves of sin, 
in congregation, we have the posture of humility not to deny sin or hide our sin or minimize our sin or blame others for our sins. And all of that creates all kinds of havoc and problems in marriages and families. As we glorify God, humbling ourselves for our sins. In congregation, we're not playing the blame game and pointing the finger at someone else before we're pointing the finger at ourselves. And that's how God uses humility in our lives to overcome pride that creates distance in marriages and families. And justification in Jesus Christ alone uh, should give us a great confidence. It gives us great confidence. There's enough to cover all of our sins, not only our past sins, present, but also our future sins, to make us confident that we have a conscience free from fear, free from dreads and, and terrors of God approaching us on the day of our death and facing a holy God on judgment day. We don't have to cover ourselves, cover up with uh, fig leaves of our own uh, making, of our own goodness. We can receive confidently uh, justification in Jesus Christ alone. So that with faith, that's what confidence is. It's exercising, exercising faith uh, daily in the verdict we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, we fight against this. Every single day of our lives, we do. And we try to justify ourselves. Every single day, we are fighting against it. It's like moral vertigo for us. If you've ever, ever experienced vertigo, right? Everything's circling and you don't know what's up or down, down or up. Moral vertigo happens because, congregation, we want to do something. <laughs> we want to perform in order to earn and achieve our right status with God and before others. And we have to constantly fight against the sinful nature we are born with to believe that something we have done or didn't do makes us right in the eyes of God. Justification in Jesus Christ alone uh, gives us great uh, confidence and assurance. And dear friends, that's what doubt does in our lives. When we doubt God, our congregation, what happens, uh, we um, experience a lot of damaging effects to doubting God's settled gospel word in Christ. And what are some of the dangers and damages of doubting God. Instead of living confidently in the grip of God's uh, love that will never let us go. What happens in our lives? We become very apathetic. We become apathetic. We're unpersuaded of our justification in God's eyes. Then we become very complacent. And when we're complacent, we actually doubt God's verdict all the more. What are some of the other damaging effects of a doubt? Uh, we become very angry and we become anxious. And the more angry and anxious we become, the less joyful 
we will be. Because we're not trusting the worthiness of Jesus Christ. We're feeling unforgivable, unforgiven, uh, because we somehow feel unwanted and unworthy by God. Dear friends, we go back to our justification to live fearlessly. What does it mean to doubt? It means to be uncertain. What God says is absolutely certain because it's what Jesus Christ did, not about what we have done or didn't do. And we actually assault uh, God's word, God's power, uh, God's um, very character to be a promise-keeping God. And these dangerous doubts congregation are really saying that God's grace is not big enough to cover all of my big sins upon the movie of the life that is me. And dear friends, it also, doubt also, can be the road right out of the church of Jesus Christ. We don't constantly break check those doubts in our lives by pulling out the ticket every single day. We can apostatize, showing that ultimately we were never possessed by Jesus Christ. We only professed him outwardly. Where does doubt come from? It comes from uh, sin unconfessed in our lives. It certainly comes from uh, when we experience suffering in our lives and uh, as uh, Satan also assaults us and um, uh, creating and sowing doubts in our lives uh, and our self-centeredness as well. Uh, Doubts uh, happen in our lives when we are self-centered, looking at ourselves, not wanting to serve others. In congregation, these doubts are to be dispelled by confidence in the work of Jesus Christ. Therefore we say, would David, Lord, do not enter into judgment with your servants, for before you no living person shall be justified. Justification gives us a fearlessness. Let us focus then on Jesus Christ from beginning to end. And let us also use the means of grace the word and sacraments, that God's word is written in black and white in the Bible. God's word is written in water, your baptism, where God declared to you your status before him as baptized into the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends, let us then, by way of application, carry this freedom into our everyday life spaces, carry that freedom from fear, dreading that God will punish you. Dear friends, the good news of the gospel is that God is way too good, that God is way too just to punish you if your sins have already been punished and paid for by Jesus Christ alone. Have you lost your gospel mind? Have I? We can lose our gospel mind, dear friends, when we are busy um, throwing up the failures of those who fail us. I'm talking about our marriages and our families, our relationships, congregation. When we are constantly 
uh, throwing up. And that's what we do. I know it's disgusting, but that's what it is. How our spouse has failed us. How they didn't do what they were supposed to do. What are we doing? We're in real time doubting our justification. Distrusting God. By blaming and shaming others. Living in our relationships with right here, right now, justifying mercies means that we say to our spouses and to our children, as we confess our sins, as we seek to cover them in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we are doing, we are to do exactly what God does to us. We don't impute to others. We count them righteous in the eyes of God and in our eyes. We do not treat them as their sins deserve, but treat them graciously and mercifully. We are simultaneously sinful and righteous. And that's what we are to be doing in our relationships, dear friends. Copying and pasting that onto one another. So there's freedom and joy in our relationships instead of shaming and blaming. And then, congregation, let us defend ourselves with this powerful shield because Satan does go on attack and he's throwing uh, our sins constantly at us, isn't he? And that's uh, one of Satan's uh, deadly attacks as he tries to sow doubt in our lives so that we are unconvinced and unpersuaded of God's uh, verdict. And he keeps on wanting us to replay uh, the movie of the life uh, that is me and all of the times and uh, thoughts that were sinful in our lives. And uh, the devil is constantly trying for us to doubt uh, God's full and final salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord as he throws at us our record of unrighteousness. And congregation, we take up the shield of faith that we are justified in Jesus Christ alone to deflect those assaults of doubt on our consciences. And what do we do? We throw back to Satan the righteousness that is ours in Jesus Christ our Lord. So dear friends, let us defend ourselves with the powerful shield of faith in Jesus Christ's perfect performance on our behalf. Let us stop replaying uh, that life movie that is me and you, and let us uh, play, <laughs> press play on uh, the life movie of a life that we did not live, a death that we did not die, the good news of Jesus Christ, for whose sake God justifies the ungodly.
Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, your robe of righteousness, my beauty is my glorious dress. In the midst of flaming worlds, in this arrayed with joy, shall I lift up my hem. Bold shall I stand in your great day, for who ought to my charge lay? Fully through you absolved I am from sin, from fear, from guilt and shame. When from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, this only then shall be my plea. Jesus has lived and died for me. Hear our prayers, O God. Thank you for your right here, right now, justifying grace. Please, Lord Jesus, count your righteousness as ours. And may we live for your glory humbly, gratefully, and confidently in uh, your amazing love that will never let us go. Help us to carry this good news into the everyday spaces of our marriages, our families, our relationships, and take up the shield of faith to protect us, O Lord, uh, from the dangers and the damages of doubting what you have said. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us give our gifts to the Lord. The tithes and the offerings will be for...